everybody. Welcome to Mormonish. I'm Rebecca. And I'm Landon. And this is our second episode of Mormonish. It is our second episode. We actually had a lot of really great and positive feedback for our first episode. So we are back to try it one more time. And this is our very special Black Friday edition, the day after Thanksgiving, which means that we both must have survived. Did you survive Thanksgiving, Landon? I did. I put on a few pounds, a few extra pounds. I'll have to go to the gym or something to work that off. But I, <laughs> I, I did survive it. So now looking forward to uh, the start of Christmas season, I guess. So what about you? How was yours? Well, I had my, like I said, I have one son on a mission. So he, of course, was going to five or six members' houses to eat. You know how they become cereal eaters on their mission. Yes. And then I had my young adult sons over. And basically, I cooked. And they and my husband just played video games the entire time. So I would call that a very successful Thanksgiving. Yeah, sounds <laughs> like fun. It was really fun. And of course, today um, is almost, I think, a bigger event to some people than the actual Thanksgiving dinner itself. And that is Black Friday. Do you participate in Black Friday, Landon? I, I try to stay as far away from Black Friday as I can. I, I've never understood why they call it Black Friday, because to me, I've always been in the red when it, and the day ends. But uh, they definitely, uh, it is a day I do not enjoy. I, I'll find anything else to do. I am not a shopper by any means. How about you? Well, you know, I, I never really did do it. And then one of my girlfriends said, Oh my, you know, you haven't lived you've done black Friday. And I said, well, it makes me nervous because I know people mobilize and I know they're planning for months and they have everything planned out. I said, I wouldn't even know how to begin to do it. And she said, okay, you're going to come with me, she said, because me and my mom and my sisters, we do this every year. We have it down. You're going to be our guest. And I said, okay, as long as I have a chaperone, somebody to get me through so I don't get run over by shopping carts or whatever, I will try. So she said, okay, we're going to pick you up on Friday after Thanksgiving. We're going to pick you up around 2.30 and you'll be with us all day. And I said, well, that sounds incredible. And then I said, but isn't that kind of late in the afternoon? Won't a lot of the deals be gone? And she said, Oh, honey, no, 2.30 in the morning. Oh, <laughs> and that was that was kind of my first introduction to the whole thing that, oh my gosh, these guys are diehard. So I did. I went at 2.30 in the morning and I stood in lines. I think I came home with frostbitten toes and a griddle, but I did do it once and that was the experience. So well, it's all <laughs> worth it if you got the griddle. <laughs> you know, it's worth it for pancakes, like anything <laughs> for pancakes. That's right. So, but the one thing that I did learn from going with this friend and her sisters and her mom is that this was a really special time for them every year. They planned, they organized, they knew the stores they were going to. They were so excited and so happy. And they'd go to all the stores. They they got all their stuff in their car. They'd go to brunch together afterwards. And then they would go home and they would help each other. They lived close, um, set up their Christmas trees. And I just saw that that's an incredible tradition. And they had been doing it for years. And so that kind of ties into what we are talking about today in this special Black Friday episode of Mormonish. Yeah, we're we're going to talk about traditions. And as as post-Mormons or people who who have left there, we always had traditions. I think we've always had in the church uh, those those special milestones that you hit. Everybody knows what they are, eight years old, 12 years old, 14, 16, all those all those milestone uh, events, all those milestone traditions. But as a post-Mormon, those kind of disappear. And so uh, today we're going to talk about 
how we deal with those traditions or, or how we maybe can replace some of those traditions. So. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And and sort of a catalyst to, to talking about this is a book um, that we read in the Good Book Club, the book club that Landon and I co-founded and run. And this book is called For Small Creatures Such as We, Rituals for Finding Meaning in Our Unlikely World by Sasha Sagan. Now, Sasha Sagan is the daughter of Carl Sagan. Maybe some of our younger viewers won't know who that is, but some of our viewers that are our age will. He's just, he was the astronomer, you know, in the 70s and 80s and, and a scientist. And so he raised Sasha, of course, in a very secular scientific household. So they were always asking these questions questions of themselves. Um, a lot of people have religious, religious traditions. We don't. What can we do instead? So they, they live their lives just finding other ways to celebrate with ritual and ceremony. So we read this book in the book club and we talked about it a lot because most of us are post-Mormons, um, ex-Mormons, nuanced Mormons, and definitely on the search and the hunt for new ways to celebrate or new ways to look at milestones. And then another book, well, I'm just turning this into a book club, but I'm sorry, that's what I do. Another book that we're reading right now in the Mormon Stories Book Club, um, and this is John DeLynn's book club, um, we're reading No Nonsense Buddhism for Beginnings by Noah Rochetta. And you can find ideas for new traditions and ceremony or ritual in all kinds of places. And Buddhism is a good place to start. I found last year an amazing Thanksgiving prayer that was just wonderful. It didn't have a religious connotation or connection. It just, it was just a prayer about gratitude. So I think this is a question that is coming up all the time. In fact, on social media today, post-Mormon social media, I saw that someone had asked the question, I'm going home for the holidays. And my dad has just announced that he wants to give all of us a father's blessing. And that, of course, is kind of loaded. Why don't you talk a little bit about that, Landon? That's, oh, yeah, you know? absolutely. I think I think all of us, when we when we leave Mormonism, you, you might try to leave it behind, but it some, somehow catches up with you in one of these ways where you're not thinking about something and all of a sudden it it, it hits you or, or it, you're going, oh, where'd that come from? We just recently, my daughter and my son both had a baby within the last two months, our first grandchildren. So that was the first time we we kind of ran into this because our obviously you've got uh, the the side that's that's active LDS Mormons who when is the baby blessing our both of our children are out now so they don't they they don't do that but you you start saying oh what are we going to do what are we going to do with this baby are we going to bless it what what is the rite of passage that we're going to follow so that's definitely a challenge, and and you've got to come up with new ways of you know how are we going to do this? How are we going to uh, approach this? And how are we going to uh, go back on it? So I I really feel for the guy. I, I saw that also that that he's dad asked for a, a blessing, and then it's like oh I'm I'm in a rough spot. How do I how do I deal with that? So we're going to talk a little bit about that today and see what we can do uh, to to do that. So how about you? What are some of the traditions that you've had uh, that uh, have changed since you've kind of left the, the the church. Yeah. And sometimes they don't, it's not apparent right away. Sometimes you just go, oh my goodness, you're right. I probably won't do this anymore. Or this seems different to me. And that's what I was fascinated by with the answers to this um, social media post uh, where people were weighing in on this young man's dilemma of the blessing, because some of them said, oh, 
it means something mm -hmm. to your father. Go ahead. Just go ahead. You know, it's not going to hurt you. And it means something so much to him. Others said, well, no, you need to live your truth and you need to do what you want to do. So there's definitely uh, different schools of thoughts on how you handle that. And I think all of us as post-Mormons, there's no actual answer to this because it just depends on your specific situation. You know, I mean, in your case with your kids and baby blessings, you're coming up with other ways that you can mark that milestone. And you guys luckily are all kind of on the same page. All of you are out, but others are navigating family. And so it's just kind of different in, I think for every single person, don't you find? Yeah. I think it, every case is a little bit different because uh, at first, when I first went out, my wife was still active. And so that made it, you know, a little difficult because she'd want to do things, you know, the way, for instance, uh, uh, when COVID hit, uh, she wanted to have the sacrament. Uh, and so then the neighbors were asking, oh, why don't you come over and have the sacrament with us? And then you kind of feel as, you know, the, the father in the house, you're supposed to be the one that does this and I'm not doing it. So you feel, you feel left out. When you have small children, it's it's a lot different than when you're an empty, empty nester as to how you're going to deal with things. And then, uh, like the story that you just said, uh, in this case, the father's giving the blessing. You you can go ahead, and if you decide that's what you want to do, you can receive the blessing. However, in the case of like my son, where he's out, and he if he is going to bless the baby, he's got to get somebody else to do it, or he's got to ask somebody else to do it which then is is a little bit on the hard side to see somebody else doing that for you if that's what you decide to do. So in our case, they they ended up not, uh, they haven't blessed uh, the babies, but we're looking at other traditions that we might be able to follow. Uh, for instance, we like to go uh, in Utah here, we go riding all the time. We like to go see uh, the uh, all the Indian art, the petroglyphs and the hieroglyphs and that that are in Southern Utah. And in there, we've seen handprints on the wall. You know, these they, they take and they paint their hand and they put it up like that and put it against the wall. And so that's something that we want to try to do is we're going to try to get everybody's hand and paint it. And we've, we've yet to find the wall. We've got to find the wall where we're going to do it. And then we're going to put uh, each, each family member is going to put their hand on there. And then as the babies come, we'll also put their hand on and that'll kind of be the welcome to the family and we'll do something along that line. So that's that's what we're trying to do to make a tradition so that we don't feel like, uh, you know, oh, what the kids are going to feel like, what do I do with the with the baby? I'm not giving it a blessing. That's always been something that everyone looks forward to. So we're going to try a different thing and see if that works and and try to introduce that into our family. Do you have yeah. traditions like that or what what have you run into as you've you know, in your family. Yeah. And I think it also depends on where you are in life. All my children are older, you know, so those milestones have passed and we did celebrate those milestones in the church. We did the baby blessings and we, although we actually, it was funny, we wanted to do baby blessings at home. Even back then we kind of felt like, Oh, that thing at church where you have like 27 men crowded around the baby, <laughs> just uh, kind of ridiculous. So we always tried to uh, choose a time that was like a holiday where we said, Oh, we have relatives coming over. You know, can we have the baby blessing at home? And interestingly, of course, they still have to send a church representative over to your house, even yeah. though you're having a blessing at home. And we lived in, a stake where um, maybe this is a side story, but they had just made a new rule that there could only be four people in the circle. I'm sure to get away from what I explained, that giant kidney bean shape, you know, around the baby of all the men. Well, unfortunately, my husband is one of 15 
direct siblings, you know, with, with, uh, with blended families and things. And so who do you pick? Which brother gets in the circle, you know, but that Bishop did come to our house and say, you have to pick, you know, pick them on your Even in your own house, they limited the number. In your own house. I know that is not the topic of today's show, but that just reminded (laughs) me that was a really interesting situation. But so we did the blessing. And then of course you get to baptism, you know, and that's a rite of passage right there when your child chooses, you know, to be baptized. And there's all kinds of exciting things. I mean, way more than when we were young, right? Now there's invitations, there's parties, there's, you know, fancy dresses or clothes. And, and then you think about the child, you know, that is a post-Mormon or they're, they're not members and, you know, it's different. You don't have that, but, but there are milestones and times when you'd like to celebrate a rite of passage. So you might just think internally as a family, what would be amazing to do for this child? I've heard people say, um, in our book club, we talked a lot about this, you know, what, what have you guys done? Because everyone's looking for creative ideas. And somebody said, we take our child when they turn, I can't remember what age it might've been 12 at this point on a special trip, just you know, mom and dad, parent and the child. And that's just kind of a a special bonding. And, and it's kind of how they know you've entered this next phase of life. So it does take some work, I think, to develop these things. And then the other side of it is that you're navigating family members that are still in the church that may be saying, why aren't you doing this? You know, why aren't you participating in this tradition? It's another point where it, it becomes very clear that you're different and you're raising your children differently than what they're doing. And and for the child, it can be difficult because they see that their cousin is getting baptized and the whole family's going over and raving over it and they turn eight and nothing happens. So (laughs) you kind of need to offset that ritual with some other ritual that you can invite the family to so that the child can be excited about it. Or like you say, the trip or something that they have to look forward to where they say, oh, I did this when I turned that age. And that's a special thing in our family. So those rites of passage, that's one thing that uh, Sasha said in the book was how important those rites of passage are for us as as humans uh, to show a passage or uh, moving from one phase to another. And so it, it is important to have those. So just because we leave the church doesn't mean we have to leave those rites of passage behind. We just have to find ways to do our own rites of passage. And that can be a little tricky because you're starting from scratch maybe, but hopefully that's what we want to do is look at ideas. And the book, uh, Sasha's book had some good ideas. And as you said, we we put out a, a, a spreadsheet that a lot of people put in different things that they did. And, and so we found some new ways to do that. Yeah, it was very interesting to see. I mean, it was a giant spreadsheet that had all kinds of events and milestones mm-hmm. on it. And we just kind of crowdsourced, what have you found? That works. And it it almost, it makes us seem so naive on the other, especially leaving Mormonism as an adult. You're like, well, what does everyone do? You know, when out in the world, people are just creating their own family traditions and they've been in the family for years, you know, but we, we've kind of done a hard stop, a lot of us to what our family's doing. And so it really is a brand new thing. And something that I absolutely loved, I just literally cannot recommend this book more. Again, it's for small creatures such as we by Sasha Sagan. She talked about how um, different kinds of rituals you have private rituals. That's really important too, just as a person. And she said, you may even have them and not even realize that you have them. And I thought about that. I thought, well, I don't think I have any. And then I thought, well, what do I do every morning when I go to work? I make my cup of tea, right? I have to have it just right. And I take a moment before my day starts and I am very present and I enjoy my tea. And I realized, 
I do have a little ritual or I just have a moment kind of with myself. And then she talks about, you know, think about your weekly rituals or your monthly rituals or your yearly rituals. And it can be private. It can be with children. It can be with a spouse. One of my favorite things that she talked about in the book, she was newly married and they had caught a taxi in New York and the cab driver said, oh, you guys are newly married. And they said, yeah, just a few weeks. He said, well, you have to sing together. And she and her husband are like, we have to, what? He goes, oh, you, you have to sing together every single day. And they're like, what are you talking about? And he said, oh no, it's really important. And they said, well, we can't sing. And he said, it doesn't matter. You have to look at each other and sing anything. And Sasha said, well, I know the alphabet song. He said, that'll do. And so they literally do that. They, they know there's a time during the day where they have to connect one-on-one and they sing and they laugh. And no matter what else is happening, it's just this little moment. And they know it's going to happen and it just, you know, fortifies their marriage and it makes them happy and bonded. And so that's the importance of ritual and tradition and ceremony like that. So I I thought that was a wonderful story. So I'm trying to think what other things our book club members put in the grid. Um, We talked about, we didn't talk so much about weddings. That's a whole different issue with LDS traditions because, well, number one, we're not invited to the wedding. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) I know one of them planted a a, a tree. uh, One of them said that at Christmas time, they'd buy a potted evergreen and then they would plant that in uh, after after Christmas, they'd take it out and plant it. And soon they yeah. had kind of a yard full of these of these trees. Uh, so planting of trees can be something that you can do to mark time. Uh, yeah, so lots of different different rituals of involving trees and i think we'll get to like holiday rituals in a minute Um, but yeah that can mark anything that can mark the birth of a child planting a tree or you know a marriage that's a really important thing and it also has to do with nature and the outdoors and that's amazing um one thing i thought was interesting people talked about um death um on the other side of mormonism and a lot of them felt that perhaps this belief in the afterlife that literally you're just moving to another room they missed out on mourning somebody because they really felt that they would be with them in the blink of an eye. Isn't that what we hear? And now that they realize that's not the case and maybe they don't know exactly what they believe or what they think, maybe they're more agnostic. um, They realize that they never took a moment to mourn. So I thought that was really interesting. Do you remember some of the things that people came up with to, to celebrate and, and think of someone's life? I don't even want to say the word mourn. I want to say just maybe honor, but there were some good ones. I remember. Yeah. I, I know I, I experienced uh, when I was working up in Idaho, I was working in this small town. The only place to eat was this kind of cowboy bar. Uh, so I'd go into the cowboy cowboy bar and eat every night. And uh, one of the regulars there actually ended up in a car accident and he was killed. And uh, it, it was really cool to see because what they did is they uh, they took his hat, his cowboy hat, and they set it on the on the bar stool. And then everybody, everybody ordered drinks and sat and talked about him and, and what a great life he'd lived and tell, told funny stories about him. And that's how they honored him. So I thought that was really a cool, cool way to honor someone who's passed on. It's a lot different than the than the Mormon uh, funeral where it's at the church and the bishop has to tell you about where you go after you die. Uh, I just thought, wow, this is really cool. This is really down to earth. You could tell these people had a connection with that person. So that, that was one of the funeral ones that I've seen. No, I love that. And it's about the person. And like you said, your connection with them and 
gosh, maybe we can do a whole episode on Mormon funerals. But yeah, I've been to so many where there really is no connection. It's more just a church meeting. And many times the people that officiate don't even really know the person. And so, and it's just sort of a, oh, they've moved on and you should be fine. And I thought one tradition that was shared, and this is by um, one of our book club members who has never been LDS. She's just fascinated by Mormons and, and often says things like, oh, you poor dears. You know, <laughs> when, yes. she hears, when she hears some of our stories, she's she can never get enough. But she said when, and she lives in California, her name is Karen, an amazing person. And she said that when someone she knows, you know, a friend passes away, um, she'll pick a specific day and she wakes up in the early hours of the morning and she'll go and sit on her patio and she'll light a little fire in a fire bowl and she'll pour a cup of coffee. If it's cold out, if, she, if it's in the fall or winter, she'll wrap up in a blanket. And just as the sun comes up, she'll be thinking about that person. She'll be imagining that she's sharing this cup of coffee and she'll just be reminiscing with the person about the good times that they had together. And I just love that. And then the sun comes up, the fire dies, the coffee's gone and she she has said goodbye. I mean, it just gives me chills even almost to say that. It's just such a beautiful, beautiful way to mark your time with a special person in your life. So I absolutely love that. And, and Karen, she, she also told us about what she does when people get sick. Uh, and that is, uh, you know, in, in the LDS world, what do you do? You, you put the name in the, call it into the temple and people pray about it or whatever. But she lights a candle and she puts the candle in the middle of her house. And then every time she passes, she thinks about that person and she thinks, oh, you know, how are they doing? I hope they're improving. And it makes her think about them throughout the day. And I thought that was a really cool tradition as well. So sometimes those people outside of, of, of the church who haven't been members really have those neat little traditions that we can pick up on uh, so that we don't have to create everything from scratch. No, and that's very true because they're not in a rigid, I mean, there are so many things you must do. They're so rigid in ways that you're supposed to do them. You never even think about that. And yeah, a lot of these kind of traditions do have to do with candles and remembrance. And a couple of book club members had said that they did that with a candle. Another one was just to mark the day of someone that has passed on every year. The same thing, light a candle. It's the day your mother passed away. You're going to keep a candle lit the entire day and think of her. So just special ways to remember and celebrate the person because... Because I think sometimes that's missing um, in the LDS faith. I had an uncle that passed away very suddenly, very quickly. And everyone just seemed to say, oh, he's doing missionary work now. Yes. And that was it. He's doing, I thought, well, yeah. don't we want to talk about him or think about him? And no. And, and again, that's very comforting to the family where they are at. It is comforting to think that they're just somewhere else and everything's fine. You know, but then you get on the other side of Mormonism. You're Mormon-ish, and you have bigger questions about what happens next, if anything happens next. And if nothing happens next, then we better spend our time now remembering those people because the memory is is what is left, and the memory is what it's all about. So, and the only way they do live on is through those different uh, things that you do to keep yeah. their memory alive uh, for as long as you can between the, the children or the grandchildren. It usually yeah. goes one or two generations that you try to keep that alive. So no, that's it exactly it. Yep. No, I love it. And and the other, I mean, we wanted to talk about just traditions and rituals in general, but then because this is the beginning of the holiday season, we wanted to touch on a little bit the traditions that we may be butting up against with 
as post-Mormons, as we see a lot of family in the next month and, you know, what things they are. And, and sometimes it's really personal and you have to think about it. Like, for example, I love, um, I collect little manger scenes, little crush from, you know, all over. And I thought when I became a post-Mormon, well, how do I feel about this? You know, is it okay that I still display these? Am I a hypocrite? And I thought, well, and I I told my story in episode one that I've always kind of been Pimo. I always looked at it as more uh, mythological. And so I do not have a problem displaying it because I, you know, Christianity, I can respect that as a way of thinking, a mythology for a lot of the world. And so I can appreciate the story. So I can still display those. Someone else becomes a post-Mormon. Maybe they've also deconstructed Christianity. They don't want those in their home. So mm -hmm. it is a very personal thing as you start deconstructing, as we said in the title of our episode, take them, the traditions of their fathers, or leave them, you know, or maybe they're sort of a hybrid. And a lot of times it has to become a hybrid because maybe you're in a mixed faith marriage and one, one person wants to continue those and another it, it it might be triggering to them. And so you've got to you've got to find a happy spot in between there where you can where you can do that celebration. So I, I think what you said is 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 very accurate. Uh, you know, in one sense, you can at Christmas time, you can say, OK, I don't want so much of the of the faith and the church ideas in my in my home. So I'm going to decorate more with Santa Claus and elves and candy canes. And, and you go that way. But uh, you may go to your in-laws or your parents and they want to reenact the manger scene and have all the grandkids and so you you might have to have a discussion with the kids you know hey we're gonna do this and and you have to explain to them this is the christian tradition of what happened and so we're reenacting that for that purpose um but then you personally have to make that decision. What do you tell them about this? You know, do you want to tell them it's a lot like Santa Claus? It's it's a myth. It's it's a story that we tell at Christmas time. Or if your if your wife might be in, or your husband is still in, he may be saying, "I don't want anything like that said to, to our children." Uh, we need them to understand and make their own decision when they get older or whatever. And you might have to give into that. So there's definitely a lot of give and play. And there is not a there is not an answer for everybody. Everyone has to look at their own individual, you know, situation. Yeah, no, that is absolutely true. And and like we said, when you have smaller children, it's almost the double edged sword. If you're all on the same page, you can start from the beginning with how you want to create the traditions and the rituals and the ceremonies and what you're telling them. And then, you know, by the time their parents, those are the family traditions. But if you have, you know, uh, LDS family members or in a mixed faith marriage, then you really do, you know, because you go ahead and tell your children that this is, you know, Christianity and the myth of Christianity. And then they tell their cousins who are faithful and boy, you're going to hear it right from <laughs> yeah. your brothers and sisters. Same thing. So, it's telling Santa Claus yeah. there, you know, it's, yeah. yeah and, and I think you have to look at, okay, what will this mythology or story or whatever that, that your um, LDS family members care about, what will this do um, to my children? So I have an example. Um, during the holidays, when we would visit my parents and my kids were little and they were avid genealogists and they loved to tell stories, have the kids sit around. It's not a holiday story. Well, it is kind of a ghost story. Anyway, they would tell us and they told these stories to me when I was a kid and I didn't think much about it. Stories about um, spiritual experiences and doing genealogy. And this would evolve 
people from the past who had passed away coming back to tell, you know, give information about genealogy. And as a kid, I was just like, okay, you know, great grandma came to visit and gave me this name. I didn't think much about it till grandma set my own kids around her knee and started telling a story about a ghost that had come back to share genealogical information. And my kids' eyes were this big and I could see that they were scared. And that tradition, I had to nip that in the bud right there. I said, okay, grandma, you know, we're, we're just not going to share those stories right now. We're just not going to. And that was even when I was um, still, you know, considered my kids were being raised in the church and everything. I just kind of had to say no to that tradition. That's not, my kids don't need to hear that. So sometimes, and it depends for each person, they may feel this is harmful to my kids. I, I don't want to have this shared with them. Other people will have no problem. Sure, participate in the manger scene. Other people will say, I really don't want that to be a part of my kids' lives. So unfortunately, we have no cut and dried answers. But I think the thing is to talk about it and even prepare way ahead of time and think what you might be facing. And if you need to talk to family members ahead of time and say, you know what, when you guys are doing this, our family is going to be over here doing this and we'll meet you back for cocoa and cookies. Maybe that's what you need to do. Or maybe you can participate in a certain way, but set boundaries. Don't be afraid to set boundaries and, you know, try to preserve the family relationships as you can, I think. Yeah. And sometimes you might have to be proactive and say, uh, we're going to have the Christmas party at our house this year. And then you get to control the narrative uh, so much like the church likes to do. You get to set, hey, we're going to do candy cane races or we're going to do you know, whatever the game is, and you, and you don't have to make it as religious, and then you get to kind of put those parts out, but everyone says, oh, they invited us over, how nice, and that's fun. And then you have Santa Claus come out, and you make the, the, the end of the night. So right. uh, sometimes being proactive and, and coming up with your own ideas, and then inviting others to participate in it, they feel like, you know, you're not separated from them, that you still have, a, 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 and it, that you still want to be with the family, you still want to be part of the family, and invite them over. So uh, I think that's important too. Yeah, we and that's the key. That's the key is absolutely that you still do want to be a part and you want to find a way to work together and and not be put on the spot maybe. And mm -hmm. that's why you do have to be proactive. I'm thinking of a time when, I mean, it was the Super Bowl. So I guess that is a holiday for some people. That's the biggest holiday but, of the year, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And I was over at a cousin's house and right before we ate, you know, we had the big spread, all the food, ready to watch the game. And, and he knows that I'm a post-Mormon and he likes to banter with me back and forth and kind of put me on the spot. And he said, we're going to have the devil woman give the prayer this year. I mean, I was called, the, you know, and so I sat there for a minute and I thought, okay, I can make an issue right now. And I can say what, or I can just kind of take it in stride. And I decided, okay, just instantly. All right. I will say the prayer. That's fine. But then I had to think, well, what kind of prayer am I going to say? And I'll say, you know what? I am happy that I'm here. I'm happy I'm here with family. And this is a really fun event and everyone's worked really hard on the food and we're all fun and friends and kids running around. So I just kind of gave almost like a speech. I started and I said, I didn't say any deity. And I just said, we are so happy to be here today. And we just love each other and our company. And we hope that, you know, it was just kind of, a little positive thing and i did say amen at the end because i knew they would freak out or not know it was over if it's i didn't over, say yeah. <laughs> so the only way they know it's done <laughs> so, sorry my dog is getting ready to bark here but um i did say amen you know and then my cousin i think he was kind of disappointed i think he thought i was gonna you know 
that it would be a negative, but I six, turned it six, into six a real or something. <laughs> and in fact, one of the older relatives came up to me and said, that was a lovely prayer. I don't know when I've heard such a lovely prayer. And I thought, because it wasn't a memorized ritualistic yeah, from the heart. Yeah. by rote. Yeah, it was something from the heart. So again, sometimes you will be put on the spot, but I think if you just you know, think it through and, and don't ever do anything you're not comfortable with. I mean, you know, you just, you got to be true to yourself and, yeah. and hope that it will all work out in that way. So yeah, we, we had a similar, well, with, with our family, just at Thanksgiving, that was one of the things, you know, that's the family comes over, it's Thanksgiving, obviously a prayer is supposed to be something that you do as part of that to give thanks. And I know some families go around the table and say, what are you thankful for? And, and, and that kind of tradition, but uh, we decided to do something a little bit different. We had recently um, read a book, um, Braiding Sweetgrass, uh, that's by an indigenous oh, right uh, woman. Yep. And in it uh, was a a prayer that uh, was from the Iroquois Nation that they would give it at, uh, at major events. And I, I say prayer, I don't know that it was really a prayer, but it, it was a, a, a address of Thanksgiving, I think is how they they termed it. And, and it was really cool as we started reading it, they first you know, gave thanks for the people who were in their lives. And then at the end, they said, you know, that, that we may be one. And so we we took that and they had several paragraphs. It was the wind. They were thankful for animals, for the trees, for the uh, food that was produced by the earth, for the earth itself. And and so we, we took and passed around. Each pe person read one. And then at the end, you know, it was, you know, that we may be one and we toast. Uh, so we tried that instead of a prayer. And and in one way, it worked. Everyone got to be, think about those things they were thankful for. In another way, it was a little weird to the kids because they hadn't experienced. They don't. They didn't. Growing up in Utah, not drinking or anything, they don't know what a toast really is. They've seen it on TV, but it's kind of a unnatural thing for you to hold up your glass and and say something. So, uh, in this case, uh, we hoped it exposed them to some other things as well. You know, those kind of traditions. So, uh, we've also uh, at for Thanksgiving, we have a we've we've changed our tradition since we've since me and my wife have both been out. And what we've done is we've looked for uh, trying to make Thanksgiving dinner as it actually would have been back in at the time of of the uh, pilgrims. And so we we had gone to Plymouth Rock. We bought a a, a book a cookbook from the Wampanoag Indians, who was was the Indians that uh, are, were part of the. Uh, first Thanksgiving. And so we ordered clams uh, and, and made those and we made uh, ordered bluefish and, and we had bluefish. And then we had some turkey and we had uh, all the things that are the three sisters for those who don't know that what those are corn, squash and beans were the main staples of the Americas. They're called the three sisters. And so we made we made a three sisters casserole and, and everything was things that you could have could have eaten at that time. And this year we changed it up slightly. And we said, what what would just indigenous people prior to Columbus have been able to eat? And so everything that we had uh, on the on the menu was something that was native to America. And we talked about that as part of the as part of the conversation at our dinner. So uh, definitely different ways to do it and different traditions that we're trying out. And we're just we're just experimenting a little bit and see what what sticks and what they like and what they don't like. So. Yeah. And there's no right or wrong. And what I love about this is that your children are young adults and two of them are married and have their children. Mm -hmm. And so you're exposing them to these ideas that they can now within their own families say, what do we want to do? 
you know, I'm, I'm actually very jealous that they get to start from scratch and not have any of these, like I said, rigid things, ways it's supposed to be done. And they can really, they can think out of the box. They can do what works for them. Yeah, I'm happy about that. But I also somewhat feel guilty because everything that all the traditions I gave them, I'm now telling them, you know, or yeah. uh, we, you know, that <laughs> tradition, maybe we shouldn't do that. And I guess not all of them, you know, there, there are holidays that we still celebrate right. that are secular that don't have anything to do with it. But, but those rites of passage that we talked yeah. about earlier, and now I'm going back to the kids and say, you know, those things we taught you were really important. Well, they <laughs> might not be scrap those, go find your own, your own thing. And we're trying to help them come up with ideas because they're 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 trying to find their own way to do this now and they don't have our example to look back at i always got to say oh this is how we did it at my house so this is how we're going to do it now and you don't get to do that anymore so i kind of miss i, I kind of feel guilty about that i guess yeah and i think that actually is a big um feeling among especially people who live leave the church having raised their children in it um is that you say to yourself wow, I did that. You yeah. know, my son's on his mission. Today's his P day. I get his letter and he's out there cleaning church bathrooms. And I'm like, <laughs> I did that. <laughs> that was all me. I you trained know? Him. So, yeah. We may have to have an episode on that because, yeah. you know, that, that is something, you know, and, and I don't know there's any way to navigate it except for maybe talk it out and talk to others that feel that same way. Um, but life is a journey and even parents, Yes, for you younger people, even parents change course and um, learn new things. And then they, of course, like to discuss those things with you and changes and, you know, you can accept or not accept. But that kind of brings us, I think the next thing that we wanted to talk about is creating traditions where there really was nothing before mm -hmm. at all. I mean, we've talked about holiday or different ways to, to celebrate the things that were already in the church. But um, now that you're kind of freed up to think out of the box, there are things that you celebrate that you never maybe even thought of celebrating before. And one thing that comes to mind that we did in the book club is a fall solstice party. Mm -hmm. Now, I have never in my entire <laughs> life in the church ever thought about the solstice as something to celebrate i've i've never given it a second thought at all and i think being on the other side of mormonism for me and for a lot of people you just you tend to feel a little closer to nature you like we said second saturday you're out in nature yes. a little more but i almost feel like you're almost more in tune and you're just appreciating the earth and you're appreciating nature and human beings and so this year in the book club, we started talking about, well, what would you do for a solstice party or a celebration? And we looked at all different kinds of sources and kind of all got together and talked about different things we would like to accomplish as we celebrated one season changing to another. We actually had the party at Landon right and his wife, yep. Melinda's house. And so why don't you talk about, a, we had so many different ideas and it, it was just a, a wonderful wonderful event it was just beautiful i yeah, still and, think about it and it amazes me that we don't think about the solstice as as a holiday and we really don't celebrate it in, in our modern world right now uh, my wife and i went to egypt last it was just a little over a year ago and it was amazing as we went you know everything they lined up with the sun and on the solstice it would it would light up certain things and then they knew that it was time to start planting or whatever and when you think about it, the solstice is, is a universal 
thing. And almost all the ancients celebrated the solstice and looked for the solstice, but it's not anything that we even think about nowadays. So definitely the solstice was was something we said, let's let's do something about it. So we did. We had the party uh, at our house and we we took out and we Dutch ovened uh, some some meat and some uh, elote, which is corn, uh, corn that uh, from Mexico that you have, uh, you put different tastes on it and stuff, uh, different seasonings for the taste. And and we we did that and we invited a lot of the members of the book club over. And then we started doing just different little, uh, just little things. Uh, my wife did kind of a meditation where we all sat back and she, she uh, took some, uh, smudging basically the smoke and and would go around as as we all thought about things uh, one of the neat things we did is we took leaves and we wrote things that we wanted to get rid of on these leaves so things that you wanted to release that year that you wanted to 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 uh maybe get better or or, or forget about it you could write it on this leaf and I then, think someone wrote ex-girlfriend i ex remember that <laughs> <laughs> there, there are probably several of those i'm good. guessing yeah. yes uh, and then, and then we took it and we threw it in a fire. Uh, we had, a, we had a fire going and, and we threw it in the fire and you could, you know, remove that uh, from you. And then uh, we also looked up the astrological uh, signs. We had a computer program that based on your birth date and everything, it would kind of tell you something about you and, you know, you'd laugh about it because, you know, you, we don't believe it, but we kind of do, you know, we kind of look, oh yeah, that is me. That is me. And other times you say, oh, that, uh, this, it's always you. It's always exactly right. Oh yeah. Yes. I am rich, yeah. powerful, and successful. You're yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> Something went wrong with the stars. I didn't, I didn't That's align. Right. So, so it was a wonderful, we, we had drinks and uh, we made uh, some, some colorful drinks with uh, different uh, flavors and stuff. And, and cider was one of the things we made drinks out of. And so, uh, and then everyone sat around and, and had a good time and it was a really fun night. Everybody, I think, had a great time on that. So solstice, something that you never even think of. And that's what, that's what. Yeah, well, we and I think the solstice, I think growing up in the LDS church, the solstice has a bad rap. Yeah, I think no. anything like that, at least the way I was raised, it's sort of, you know, it was kind of witchy, it's right? It was yes. a little <laughs> occulty. Yeah. I mean, I, when I was growing up, they even tried to tell me that yoga or meditation had some kind of negative thing that we weren't supposed to be engaging in that isn't yeah. that in so fact different? joseph so smith got the plates on the fall solstice because of his magical world and and the yes. the, the, the cultish background yep. that he had the fall was the best time to call upon an angel and find a treasure and that's what he did and he got the the gold plates on the solstice, but somehow now it's a bad thing. Now or it's a bad it's, thing. Yeah. And that's an interesting story. If you haven't yes. heard that story, look it's, that up. It's really interesting. But amazing. yeah. And I think that we're also planning um, to celebrate the winter solstice by yeah. yep. focusing on the stars and going to a planetarium. So I guess the message is you can really think out of the box as you navigate past traditions of their fathers that you may still participate mm -hmm. in inadvertently holiday traditions as you create new ones and then completely new something well, that you've never thought of before that you'd like to do for yourself privately or as a family there's just really no or, end or with to friends what think do. about Oktoberfest that we did um, that's that right another one we've done you know as as LDS people at Oktoberfest that's a beer drinking you know holiday uh, you know, we'd never participated and we wanted to, we wanted to go. Snowbird has a big uh, one that we looked at and it was expensive and crowded and, 
And uh, I think something happened. We couldn't go that day. So uh, my wife ended up uh, coming up with this great idea. Uh, we we took Tom and Rebecca and we went uh, we went to a root beer store in downtown Salt Lake that has all these flavored root beers, uh, different kinds of root beers and different kinds of cream sodas and different things like that. And so we went and got those and took those up into the mountains. Uh, with Some uh, of us drink, some of us don't. Some drink, it, some don't. You know, yep. it, it, whatever, yep. inclusive to anybody and what they're doing yep. on the, so on the other side of So you take craft beer, you can take craft root beers, whatever it is that you that you like. And we took those up into the mountains and we got out and uh, my wife had picked out these cute little aprons that uh, looked like German uh, uh, costumes, you know. And the we Lederhosen. Yes, the Lederhosen. <laughs> and we wore those and then we had little cups that looked like beer mugs and we we drank those and and people would come by going, what are they doing? <laughs> and then when they realized that they all laughed and said, boy, that looks so like so much fun. And we drove through and we looked at the leaves and we'd stop again and do another another thing and, and drive to the next place and just saw beautiful leaves and had a beautiful experience. Uh, we've done that two years now. And so that yeah. was a fun thing that we've we've added in. But that's a tradition now. If before. we've done it two years done in a row, that's how they start, right? One year upon the other. Tom, Tom can't go without Oktoberfest now. So no, uh, I think he wants to start April Fest. You know, let's do it every six right. months. So. I, I'm surprised he doesn't want to do it every month, but uh, That's definitely. Exactly right. Yeah. So, and and we could go on and on with different things that we've tried in stories, but hopefully the idea um, of Mormonish today is just to give you some ideas that really, you know, it's up to you and what you're interested in and where your family's at. And there's no right or wrong. And it can just be, meaningful and wonderful to mark days, to make mark times, to mark relationships, um, all of that. Yes, absolutely. And and so we talked about traditions today. And on our next podcast, we're going to talk a little bit more about how you deal with your family uh, and how you talk with your family at these times, because it can be difficult when you get together as a big family. We all know, especially if if you're the only one who's out of the church, you get together as a family and all of a sudden that can be a very uncomfortable situation. So um, you want to tell a little bit about the next episode? Yeah, no, I'm excited about that one. And and again, I think we're we're right on target because on a lot of post-Mormon social media right now, people are saying things like the one we discussed before. I'm going home to get a blessing. How do I say yes or no? And then someone else is saying, I'm going to do it. I'm going to tell everyone what I really feel. My, you know, so boy, these holidays can be charged as you either finally maybe reveal more about your faith journey or you say I will or won't be involved in this. So we have somebody that's going to be on next week. Um, her name is Marty Lynn Nielsen. She, Nielsen. she has her own podcast, which is called uh, Where Will You Go? And of course, a lot of you probably know what that's based on. And her podcast is in the Bill Real podcast group where they have a lot of other wonderful ones like Radio Free Mormon, a personal favorite, and you know Mormonism Live, Backyard Professor, some of those other podcasts. So if you haven't checked out that wheelhouse over there, there's some amazing content. But Marty Lynn is really good and skilled at, at having difficult conversations or conversations where people may have 
completely opposing points of view. She has kind of honed her craft um, to teach us techniques on how you can have a conversation in a civil way with somebody that has a completely different point of view. And I've participated in some of her workshops that she's done, or she's kind of mediated them. And it really does work. There are certain ways that you can phrase things um, where you can come across as not at all confrontational, which makes the other person you're talking to be more open and then you can have a dialogue. So it's definitely a skill, but there are definitely ways to do it. So she's going to come on. She's going to tell us a little bit about her extremely interesting story. And she has younger kids too. So I think she'll probably touch on a little bit tradition, a little bit holiday tradition, and then a little bit more on how to navigate those conversations and situations uh, during the holidays with, you know, post-Mormon, nuanced Mormon, faithful Mormon, you know, there's a lot. It's fraught with dangers and pitfalls, right? And we want to try to help everybody out there to have a good experience for this wonderful time of the year. It's supposed to be the happy holidays. Uh, It's supposed (laughs) to be the happiest time. (laughs) And that's that's really not the best time to Tell your family if you're leaving the church is on yeah. Christmas Eve, you know. So we need Mom, to Dad, I have something things, to say. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes you have to deal with them and work your way through them, uh, but uh, you still have to be true to yourself and, and those things. So right, and sometimes it's the only time during the year that you're seeing people face to face. And yeah. this is what I'm kind of reading on the different social media. They're like, you know, everyone's going to be get together, and I just, I just need to say it. And so sometimes that's the case. But Marty Lynn next week is going to tell us maybe um, some better ways to say it, some ways to express yourself. Because I think none of us in telling people where we're at on our faith journey, the goal is never to shock people, to scare people. You just want to help them understand. I'm still the same person. I'm (laughs) Mormon-ish. And here's kind of where I am. And I also accept and love you where you are too. So it does not have to be threatening. So I think this is going to be really, really good. I hope that this will be next Friday. It looks like Friday is our day, isn't it now? We weren't sure what we were going to do, but it looks like Friday's the day. So do you have any final thoughts on our episode on traditions, Landon? (laughs) Uh, really, just uh, go out there and make uh, the best of tradition that you can and 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 live your life to the fullest as you make these milestones uh, and these important times in your life. Uh, find a way to celebrate them. Uh, you you have something to celebrate as well. Just because you're out of the church doesn't mean you don't get to celebrate your life anymore or the life of your children. So make good times for them. Make good times for yourself. Yep, it should be happy. That That's why we're on this journey. That's why we're moving forward so that we can... As our tagline says, we need to find joy and keep joyful. So I think that's a good spot to end. I think we covered it. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in. And please uh, find us on social media. We have a Facebook page where we're all talking together about different things that we discuss in the episodes. And like and subscribe. We would love to hear your traditions wherever you can find us. We're also on Instagram. Post, please tell us what traditions you have found work. Because like I said, we're kind of crowdsourcing this for all all of us. It's brand new for a lot of us on this faith journey. And we really appreciate things that you have come across or developed yourself that work. So we would love to hear your comments and what you're doing and gosh, maybe have you on right to talk about things Absolutely. that work. That's Absolutely. the whole point is we want to talk to all people that are, are finding learning. joy on the other side of Mormonism. So, all right, we'll say goodbye. Keep joyful, everybody. Thank right. you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Mormonish. 
We really appreciate our listeners and would love to hear from you if you have a story you'd like to share. You can email us at mormonishpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and on our website, mormonishpodcast.org. And don't forget to look for us on YouTube and like and subscribe. Keep joyful, everybody.